guys. So we're going to take communion now. Mike's just going to come and sort that out (laughs) (laughs) in a really subtle and smooth way. Yep. So we're going to do that now, yeah? Yeah, let's do communion. So have your bread and your your juice or your wine ready, guys. And we're just going to, we've got a special guest doing communion for us this week. So just a quick switch. Thanks, guys. Good morning, everyone. Um, I've been asked to lead the communion side of the service uh, this morning. I hope you've enjoyed the first part of the service. Um, you had lovely worship. Um, um, yeah. So, uh, the significance of communion, actually, is great for us New Testament believers. I know everyone knows that. Um, but it signifies what Jesus did on the cross, and it also reminds us of the new covenant that we have with him. So I'm just going to pray. Um, Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to do this in remembrance of you. We thank you for the covenant that you, you, you have with us. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, because it is finished, as you said, Lord. Father, as we take the bread, we pray that it would be a blessing to our bodies, that it would renew our spirit, that it would renew our strength, and our Lord God Almighty, that we would do great exploits for you in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I pray that this bread will be healing to people's bodies. It will be you'll bring life to bones, and it will bring refreshness of your spirit in the name of Jesus. We also remember. You, Lord, with the blood. Your word says that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimonies, Lord. And Father, Lord, will let there be victory, Lord, in every household, Lord, by virtue of your blood. Victory spiritually, victory in every area of our lives that needs overcoming, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Enjoy the rest of the service and um, God bless you all. It's really strange doing this to a computer. But hey, God bless you all and yeah, see you soon. Bye. Hey, hi everyone. We're back. Thank you to Bookie for recording communion for us this week and for praying over us that was awesome um right so you might notice that things are a little different this week we're not at mark and cheryl's you are instead in what i have to admit is a very messy living room filled with uh various toys which are um skillfully hidden out of your view um i hope you can see me we've had a bit of an issue with lighting this morning so hopefully um you can see us and everything is is working. Mike's laughing at me and I'm not sure why. I'm saying pray for a storm. If it goes dark, it'll look better. Pray for a storm. If it gets dark outside, apparently it will look better. <laughs> um, but I'm sure you guys want to enjoy the sunshine after church. So maybe don't pray for that. Okay, so um, we haven't done the offering yet. So um, we're going to do that first and then we'll preach. And you've got a, a bit of a tag teamed team preach this morning from me and from my, my lovely husband. Um Like Cheryl often says when Mark and Cheryl are are preaching and talking, it's very odd talking to a camera. I'm looking at like a black microphone stand and just this tiny little webcam thing. Um, But like Cheryl, I am imagining all of you with your your cups of tea, some of you in PJs, I'm sure. Um, Lots of you having done loads already today, I'm sure. I'm imagining all of you um, in front of me while I'm talking. Um, it's just, it's great to be together. It's great to be family at this time. Even though we're far away, we love being together, um, worshipping the Lord together and and just gathering as as the body and the family of Christ. Um, wherever we are, when there are two or more of us gathered, um, he is there and, and we are gathered. And I'm trusting that there are <laughs> more than two of us this morning um, and that Jesus is, Jesus is present with us. So the offering. Um, Mike is going to 
very smoothly put the offering details on the screen for you. I can't see what those are, so I can't read those out, but you can see the bank details there. So if you want to do an online bank transfer to church, you can see the account number and the sort code there. Alternatively, you can follow that link, um, which is the second bit to give online through the church website, or you can post checks to the church office and you can either drop those at Mark and Cheryl's yourself, um, pop them in the post box or you can um, you can put them in the post. So yeah, um, at this time I know it's um, it's been a very changeable time for a lot of us, particularly in terms of, of work and employment, but we've been um, we've been standing on the truth that, that God is gonna um, gonna provide for us and that we're not gonna be negatively affected by this lockdown and by coronavirus and that um, God is gonna meet all of our needs. So um, we just wanna thank you for all of your sacrificial giving at this time into the fighting fund and into the continuing like day-to-day -day running, running of church. Um, that generosity and that giving is just amazing, so thank you. Um, I'm gonna pray now, I don't have I don't have an offering basket, but I will use my hands as a visual image of the offering basket. Oh, Mike. Thank you. A frying pan from Gabe's Kitchen. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, Lord, we just thank you for every offering, every tithe that is being made, whether it's right now, whether it's this week, whether it's by direct debit, standing order, whatever it is, Lord. We just thank you for your generosity towards us. We thank you for your abundant provision in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you pour out good gifts on us, that it's like our cup is filled up and it's shaken and it's running over into our laps, Lord. And we just, we thank you and praise you for every bit of your provision in our lives. And this is just one small way, Lord, that we can give back to you, that we can say thank you and that we can, um, we can sacrifice what we have in the area of our finances to you. So Lord, would you bless the, the finances and the money that are being given? Lord, would you multiply them for the extension of your kingdom, that many would hear the good news, that many would hear the gospel of Jesus, whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time, and that we would see souls come into the kingdom, we would see communities transformed, we would see lives changed. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your abundant provision. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay. Mike keeps laughing while he's looking at Facebook, so I don't know if there's like comments or something that are really funny. Am I doing really, really good and supportive? Oh, lovely. Okay, good. <laughs> it's kind of odd standing here with not being able to see you guys or what you're saying. Um, but yeah, right. Anyway, um, so preach time, I think. Have I missed anything out? Okay. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to pray again because I'm a little nervous about preaching to to well to all of you but also through a camera it's just very very different um and I just want to pray that what Mike and I have to bring today is going to bless you and edify you so um Lord we we thank you for your word we thank you for the truth that is in this book Lord we thank you that um that we can stand on your word that it is a firm foundation um and Lord I just I pray for the words that come out of my mouth today the words that come out of Mike's mouth, Lord, I pray that they would be a blessing to our church family, Lord, that we would all be edified and built up and encouraged um, by what we have to say, Lord, that it would help us to think, to reflect, and just to fall more deeply in love with you. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Um, the best place to put my Bible is probably down there. Um, if you see me looking down here a lot, it's because I've got some notes on a stand and we thought it'd be better for you, for you not to see the back of a horrible, ugly music stand. Um, so if you wonder why I'm looking over here, that's why. Um, so today, you might have seen the slightly Madonna-esque graphic, the Vogue-looking graphic of um, what is God saying and what is God seeing. That is our somewhat cryptic title for the preach today. Um, and Mike and I are both going to be talking on this topic and we're going to be thinking quite specifically about this season of time that we've been in um, we've really been reflecting on this and God's been speaking to us about what he wants to do in this time specifically in our time and place in our context um, so I'm going to touch on that briefly um, and then Mike will go into a bit more depth 
So um, I've written my preach out in full. So I'm kind of going to be reading it and delivering it to you. Um, if anyone feels like I'm going too quickly, then you can just pop it in the comments and Mike can tell me to slow down because my kids at school sometimes tell me that I teach too quickly. So open to feedback. Um, okay, so we all have unique opportunities at this particular time and in our particular context right here and right now, both as individuals and as the family of God. And we all, I know, want to hear what God is saying in the here and the now, his now word for this present time. So what is our current context here in the UK? Oh, I forgot. I need to start my stopwatch so I don't run over. Sorry. Sorry. What's our current context? For the last three or so months, we've been living through a time of crisis. Um, there has been crisis for families. There's been crisis for local communities and there's been crisis for, for whole nations, in fact. Um, it's been a time of significant change and adaptation. We found ourselves limited, very limited in ways that many of us have never experienced before. So just to give you some examples, I'm sure you will be able to think of all of your own experiences over these last three or so months. Some of us have spent more than 60 days without any contact with another individual. My father-in-law is, is one example. Most of us still haven't hugged our loved ones. Our culture has been challenged. Collectively, there's been a realization that the government can't solve absolutely everything. They do their best, they put plans in place, but there are things that we can't control. The freedoms and the choices which we've grown so used to have been removed. No more coffee shops, no more communal worship, no more texts to arrange impromptu meetups with friends or family, and no more quick and easy shopping trips. The sovereignty of the self, which I think is a defining feature of our particular culture, has come under fire. And we have had to accept the stark reality that we can't create a solution for everything. We can't always do what we want. And we can't always prioritise ourselves, and that's the default setting for a lot of people in our culture today. We've had to rediscover a new expression of community and to care for those in our society who are vulnerable. Um, why am I saying this? I think it's really important that we acknowledge the season that we've been in um, and that we don't gloss over it, especially for the outworking of our faith. Um, I think that it's only when we observe and understand our culture and our context that we can effectively apply what God's been teaching us and the transforming work that he is doing within us. It's only then that we can apply it to the world outside, bring it to the world outside. God's transforming work doesn't just stop with us in our own hearts. God has a broader purpose. And we all experienced that when we first got saved, when he first plucked us out of the kingdom of darkness and transplanted us into the kingdom of light. That's his broader purpose. He's always wanting to reach out to those on the margins, to those outside his family. He is always wanting to include, to draw others in and to bring reconciliation. Not only is God always working, but we are always being formed by one thing or another. So whether it's by aspects of our culture or whether it's by the Holy Spirit, we are being formed all the time. So the big question really that Mike and I want to pose to ourselves and to all of us today is this. Are we being conformed or transformed at this time? Are we being conformed or transformed at this time? And We'll keep coming back to that question through the preach. And I know a lot of you will recognise that phrase from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, which has appeared on the screen. Awesome. Um, so I'll just, I'll read that to you. I'm reading from the NASB translation. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed 
to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we'll come back to that verse in a moment. I'm mainly going to be preaching just on the first half of that today. And um, yeah, we don't need it anymore. We can pop it back up later. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to refer back to something that Mark was talking about last week and the week before, I think, actually, um, when he was rounding up his series on returning to our first love. He reminded us that in order to maintain our love for God, we actually need to grow in love. There's no such thing as being static. And similarly, we are never static in our formation. God's transforming work is always available and his invitation is always wide open, but it needs our active partnership. And this is especially true because it is so easy to be conformed. What does it look like for us right here, right now, to be conformed to the pattern of this world? One example I've thought about during lockdown, um, which has been a big thing for me, has been my phone. Um, I've used my phone much, much more over the last three months. So part of this has been lovely because I've been able to do Zoom quizzes and Zoom calls and stay in touch with people, particularly um, Gabe's grandparents who have really appreciated that. Um, but a lot of it actually goes beyond that. My phone is often the first thing that I look at in the morning, whether it's to check the time or um, to check social media, whatever it is. My phone's often the first thing that I look at. It's rarely in a different room to me. It's often next to me, whether it's on the sofa or wherever it might be, often on top of the bread bin, weirdly. That's an odd place to leave a phone, isn't it? But that's what happens. That's where I put it for some reason. Um, and I've, I've been on social media a whole lot more than I would otherwise usually want to be which means there are more voices speaking into my life and just more noise, general cacophony from social media. Um, the pattern of, so that's one part, one way that actually I think over this time, my life has become a bit more conformed to the pattern of this world, um, which really needs addressing. The pattern of our small part of the world, I don't wanna generalize about everywhere or everyone because Cultures and contexts are different, but in the UK, where we are right now, um, I believe the overriding pattern is one of individualism. There seems to be a constant, urgent hurry to get from one goal to the next, one job to the next, one product to the next. Um, even just the, the positive, I suppose, of self-improvement, the idea of wanting to become a better person, there's this sort of drive to, to, to think about the self and focus on the self. Individual life, individualised, sorry, lifestyles where the self is sovereign. That I think is a defining feature of our culture. In our habits and our mindsets, are we being conformed to this culture or are we being transformed by the Lord renewing our minds at this time? So I'm gonna I'll quickly check my timer, okay. Um, I'm going to spend roughly the next eight to ten minutes <laughs> talking about worship and focusing on Romans 12 verse 1. And I'm going to be focusing on transformation in the area of worship, which is something that God has particularly laid on my heart in this season. Um, it's important for us to look at the context of these verses in Romans 12. And we often we're hanging this preach really on this idea of being conformed or transformed but before that is even introduced as an idea it's worship which God is talking about in this scripture so I want to start by focusing on that and the first thing I want to say so clearly is worship is not music worship is not music I know for myself when someone says worship I just automatically sometimes think of communal musical worship but that is not what it is. I'm not talking about that one small expression of our worship, which is beautiful and valuable, but it's one expression. Um, Romans 12 verse one, if you could pop it back up, babe, says, therefore I urge you brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
our constant presentation of our bodies and our lives as a living sacrifice. That's worship. Worship is a spiritual act which is happening all of the time. All of the time. We are always worshipping something or someone. We were designed to worship, to magnify, to lift up, to glorify. It's part of the the beautiful nature that God has given us. The question is, what are we worshipping? What are we magnifying? What are we lifting up? Worship is also about our priorities. And that's actually the way that I find it most helpful to think about worship is in terms of priorities. If our worship of Jesus is prioritised, then it means other things must, by definition, be deprioritized and give way. When we read this verse, it's there are some commentaries which see um, the body as a reference to our entire being. So whatever we say about our spirit, our soul, our flesh, our mind, we know that they are situated within our bodies. And when we give the body to God, the soul and the spirit go with it. So present your bodies... I believe in this passage means that God wants us. He wants our whole selves, not just our work, not just our deeds for a portion of the day, but he just he wants all of us, the whole being that he created. And the sacrifice is described as living, the continuous present tense, and it is brought to the altar alive. We are brought to the altar alive, but we stay living. The sacrifice stays living because the process of sacrifice on the altar of God is ongoing every moment of every day. That's our spiritual act of worship, every part of us all of the time. So I believe that God has been speaking to us about a transformation in our lives of worship during this season. I believe he's been talking about intimacy and about abiding. So for a number of months, God has been um, taking me through John chapter 15 about the vine and the branches and he's been um, I was working my way through Ephesians and thinking about that idea of being in Christ abiding in him I believe that God started preparing us as a church body for this season back in February with his word to us about Jesus being at the center and returning to our first love and I really That has just been heavily on my heart in this season. And I believe it is a now word from the Lord for us at this time. Um, God's been teaching us to take personal responsibility for our lifestyles of worship. We haven't been able to rely on big, musical, emotional expressions or experiences of worship with other people. That has that's just gone. It's been us and God in the secret place. That's where our worship has been happening over these last months. And I believe that it is a, um, a reteaching and a relearning of what a lifestyle of worship really looks like. In the, I'm aware that lockdown is not always empty. <laughs> uh, I'll come on to that later. It's not, it's not a time of, of nothing. Um, I know that it's been an incredibly busy time, in fact, for many people. But in the pockets of emptiness, and the lack of routine that we have found and adapted to, what have the spaces in our lives been filled with? How has your worship been formed during this time? Has it been conformed or has it been transformed into something something new, something deeper? The simplicity of lifestyle and change of pace that we've been um, blessed with, I believe, at this time has been vital for our relearning of worship. We've been able to retreat, um, sometimes, not always, to withdraw, and again, sometimes, not always, to find solitude. Um, Next Bible verse, please, babe. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He ministered... Oh, sorry, that's the end of the verse. I shouldn't have just carried on like that was still the verse, because that next bit was me. Um, So Jesus would often slip away and pray. He ministered to the world from a place of intimacy with his father. He found solitude to connect with him. So even Jesus, as a fully divine and fully human being, even as one of the three persons of the Trinity, he still needed to withdraw to lonely places to be alone with God, to connect with him. 
In the cultural context I was talking about earlier, so that individualism, that pace, that hurry, acquiring things, um, our opportunity at this time in that context to withdraw from the world and to find solitude like Jesus did has been a rare gift and something um, not to just let go of. Maybe God is taking us back to an older way, a deeper way. Maybe he's guiding us back into whole life patterns of deep worship and into first love. So now we're kind of coming to a time where we find ourselves emerging from quite a lot of the different restrictions of lockdown and getting back to normality. Um, But do we actually want to return to normal? And that is a really important question for us as a church family, but also as individuals. The old pattern of this world has been and is being shaken and we need to pay attention to that. Social interactions have changed. Lifestyle has changed. What is God saying as we move forward out of this season of quite intense lockdown? What is he seeing? What does he want to form in us at this time? Is this a time to be conformed back to the old ways of normality or to be transformed by the renewing of our minds into something different? We have an opportunity not just to automatically go back to the way things were. What have we put down and put to one side at this time that we actually don't need to pick back up again? What have we learned and embedded in our lives that we can build on and continue? What has God been whispering to us in the secret places? I'm kind of drawing to a close now. Um, I'm acutely aware that sometimes this can all feel a bit unmanageable. Um, All of those thoughts can just feel a bit heavy, like it's a big, long to-do list, um, another target to reach. And often I feel that way um, about the secret place with Jesus and about my my discipline and my inner life with Christ. Um, How can I move from the place I'm in now to somewhere better? How can I cultivate more discipline in my life? How can I love God better? How can I serve others better? But actually, um, that's, that's not the heart of what I'm saying. I'm not trying to give us a load of things to do or targets to reach. You know, we must look like this when we come out of lockdown. That's not really what I'm saying. Um, I just want to acknowledge at this, at this point that many of us have been working from home at this time. Um, we've been juggling cooking with Zoom meetings, writing to clients, teaching. Um, some of us have been serving on the front line sacrificing daily to work long grueling hours caring for the most vulnerable people in our communities and we just I just want to thank you guys so much who have been doing that um some of us have had our children at home all day every day needing love and care and reassurance and education and food it feels like a lot of food to me having to it feels like I'm constantly cooking or providing snacks but anyway it's just me And often that's actually for me rather than for Gabe. So (laughs) anyway, this has not been an empty or restful time for everyone. But there are still these moments of solitude and these pockets where our routine has changed, where we can use this time to be transformed in our worship. God's transforming work and the renewing of our minds happens in the midst of everything else. And it happens through everything else. When we offer our whole selves to him on the altar, body, mind, soul and spirit, then everything we do is our spiritual act of worship. The meals we cook, the colleagues we meet with, the clients we serve, the laundry we hang up, the cleaning we do. He sees it all. Sacrifice on the altar, open hearts before him and he transforms us. He invites us into that transformation all of the time. His invitation is constant. It's every day and it's forever. Next Bible verse, please, babe. Final one, actually. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I'm going to read that again because I love that verse. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And that, that is the invitation at this time. 
that transformation from glory to glory. What a beautiful thing to become more and more like Jesus, reflecting his glory until one day we're with him in glory. Beautiful. And it isn't just for us. It's for the world outside. That invitation is not just for us. It's for all the people who don't know Jesus yet. So we have a unique opportunity at this time. Do we want to be conformed or transformed? How do we pursue this with purpose? As we leave this season of crisis and lockdown, are we pursuing confirmation or transformation? God is offering us an invitation into transformation to prepare us for the next season of good works, which he has for us to do. I am done. And Mike is going to pick up on some bits of that now. I'm going to get my notes out of his way. And pray for me. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Oh, I've reset the timer. <laughs> Hi everybody. Have you got your water? Do you want me to get it for you? Yeah. Do you want mine? You You have mine. Okay, thank you. Um, Lord, I just thank you for this this wonderful man. Thank you, Lord, for his, his heart for you. Thank you for his preparation. Thank you for his diligence. Thank you for his passion to see you move in power. Lord God, I just I pray that you would fill him, Holy Spirit, that you would fill him with authority, that you would fill him with wisdom as he speaks. Lord, that his words would be a blessing to us and that we would grow, become more mature, more confident and encouraged as a result of what he, what he challenges us with today. Amen. Amen. And Lord, thank you for these words from my wonderful <laughs> Patting wife. Patting me on the head. Sorry, yeah, just... <laughs> Kind of the right level, right? <laughs> but I just think on behalf of everyone who watched, that was that was awesome. It was such an hour word, and people Thanks. have been saying that it was really cool. um, in season, really fresh, and it was, it was brilliant. Thanks, so, Pete. Thank you very much. Right, I'm going to go and sit behind the laptop. Well, I might actually do is put this here. Yeah, that's so I look down at it. I'll sort of. Uh, so hopefully it looks okay. Um. So great to see you guys. Um. And I know I've not really spoken much before, but I'm going to try and pick up on, on what Flick said uh, and this, this brilliant word. So, yeah, am I conformed or am I transformed? Um, why does Romans 12 matter to me so much? Um, for me, this is how I was saved. Um, when I was saved, the first thing I said to God was Romans 12. Um, I sat on the floor in my bedroom in a in Croydon in, on September the 9th, 2006, about 11.30 at night, and I read Romans 12 to God, and I promised that to him. Um, I promised, I offered myself to him, my life was a living sacrifice. Um, that's the promise I made to him, and then I was, that's how I got saved. After, after about a 13-year journey of, of crazy things, Romans 12 summarises for me this, um, this offer that you make to God when you actually give your life to him, and you give your whole life to him. Um, that's what I did. Um, and throughout that time period, um, over all those years, God has regularly brought this back to my attention. I think it's a passage that I'll, I'll be looking at for the rest of my life. Um, and, I, and this whole thing of being transformed or conformed, I don't think it's a one-time deal. Are you transformed or are you conformed? I think it goes into almost every facet of your life. And I think God very regularly asks me to really search myself and figure out, am I conformed or am I transformed in this way? Because this promise that I made to him, now I've got the rest of my life to work it out, and I've got the rest of my life to conform myself to the image of Jesus, and the incredible, um, the passage that, that flicked right at the end there. You know, this is what, we're, this is what God is inviting us to, into, to be, to be transformed um, into his image. Um, so, for me, um, it, this poses three questions. So I'm going to try to, over this bit of time, uh, pose these three questions. And... For me, this preach, this this uh, this talk is really something where I'd like you to go away from it and to ask yourself the question, and that's really what this is. This is this is about kind of searching yourself. God's asked me this question, asking me all the time, um, and I wonder whether after today you can go away and just think if you remember nothing else. Am I conformed or am I transformed? God wants to go into every facet of your life and conform it to Christ. Um, so it has to start by us asking ourselves these questions. So. When you look at Romans 12, for me, this poses uh, three questions. So question one is, what is this world? Um, in your different translations, it says various things. Do not be conformed to this world, is the NASB. Um, my culture 
is the message or the passion. Uh, the customs of this world is NLT. Um, the original Greek is ion, this world or this age. Um, and so the first question is, okay, what is this world? What is my culture? What is this time and place I'm in? I should probably be aware of, of what it is. What is the spirit of this age? So I can figure out whether I'm conformed to it or transformed. Um, and the second question when, you, when you've kind of answered that is, am I, how do I know if I'm conformed or transformed? You know, how do I, how do I define that? Uh, that's the second question it poses to me. Um, the third question, which might seem strange, uh, I just think, well, why? Why should I do that? Um, this, is a, this is Paul um, giving a command to, you know, to the Roman church and giving it to us, us now. And it's, he's saying, you know, don't do this. Don't be, you know, be transformed. Don't be conformed. And, and that, the other question is, you know, why? Why would, why would I do that? What, you know, why should I do it? So I want to address these three questions. Um, and I think they're much more pertinent right now as well. Um, because I believe our culture has changed. Um, our culture changes all the time, but I think right now we've been in the middle of a very significant shift in a lot of ways within within our culture. Um, so this first question, okay, so question one about what is my world, what is my culture, um, and potentially how has it changed right now, how have things changed? Um, now this is um, a huge question, this is an enormous question, okay, um, you could ask a hundred different people to, to talk about this, you could write books on this that would fill libraries, um, Many much more intelligent people than me, much more learned scholars, have, have answered this in a million different ways. Um, and trying to, I'm going to try to answer it in probably about six minutes. So that's quite a big thing to try and do. So I don't think I can really summarise the entire thing of what our culture is that we're living in right now. But I'm going to try to use a kind of illustration that's helped me recently. Uh, and something that you, just might help you to, to think about things a little bit. And as I said, I think we're, we're going through a transition in this culture. But something I've, I find useful, okay? Um, a guy called Viktor Frankl okay, wrote a book um, in 1946 called Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, it's considered quite a kind of classic book now. It's sold about 10 million copies. Um, he, was a, he was a notable um, psychiatrist. He was also a Jewish Holocaust survivor. Um, and so he, he had some, some very difficult things in his life. And he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning. Now, he had this, uh, this concept, um, and are my three buckets up? They're up, yeah. Great. So, he basically had this concept that all cultures that have existed through the world basically need a balance of three things. Now, I'm not saying this is what the Bible says or anything like this. I'm talking about, a, you know, this is a, a kind of earthly definition by a, by a psychiatrist. But he said that basically everybody, human beings to flourish in life, need a combination of community, freedom, and meaning. So when these three things are in balance, and so picture them as three big buckets which are filling up with the, all these things, meaning, or, you know, or to, he said when these things are in balance, that's when human beings flourish, okay? Um, and he says, if you look at all the cultures throughout the world, some have had a lot of one, a little bit of another, and it kind of goes up and down. And he said, um, you know, if, if the balance is wrong, then... If there's too much of one or too little of another, you see terrible consequences. You know, cultures go through very bad things. But he thought, if you get the right balance of these things, it's great. Culture will be great and humans could flourish, right? Um, sadly, there's no God in that equation. Um, and we as Christians who know God, we know that, you know, every, every human system is flawed anyway. Every system which tries to take out the presence of God is never going to work. It's always going to lead to, to um, the downfall of that community. So, anyway, this... What does that mean for us now? Um, the society that we live in, um, we, need, we need to admit, really, we are in a, we're in an increasingly secularising society, right? I'm talking about UK here and now, probably the Western world in general. We're in a post-Christian society. We're not a Christian nation anymore. Um, it's basically been expunged from politics or the, the way that things have been. We can't really claim that we're in a Christian nation anymore. Uh, that horse is kind of bolted now. Um, and I think this continues to change. And if anything, we, we're, we're pushing the boundary further towards that secularization. Um, if we look at kind of the political right and the political left, I'm no kind of political expert. But the, very, the interesting thing about the solution to the human condition by both sides of this argument is, if you think back to those buckets, our culture right now is trying to solve the problem of where we are by basically fill the freedom bucket up 
the freedom bucket is overflowing. You know, the free, we have all this freedom. Both the political right and the political left believe that if you just give a human being as much freedom as possible, they'll be great, everything will flourish. Um, it works in different ways. On the right, they would want a, um, to unleash government control on markets. On the left, they want to completely deconstruct all of the kind of cultural norms that we have, family, gender, all these things. But basically, give people freedom, it'll be great, you know, they'll flourish. Um, that's kind of where we're going with our culture. We're overflowing with freedom. But our other two buckets, meaning, secularism can never offer meaning to people. Um, despite what they say, trust me, when I said there was a 13-year journey for me to get to Jesus, uh, a lot of that was based on trying to find meaning in loads of different ways. And I can kind of tell you now, there isn't any to be found apart from Jesus. You know, if you're wondering about that, <laughs> it's just not there. You know, and so our, our meaning bucket is empty. There's nothing in there. It can't be, can't be offered to us by culture. It can only be offered to us by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, we've also find our community bucket is almost empty. So we, this increasingly individualistic, individual-driven society that Fuck was talking about before, individualism, the power of, and the freedom of the individual, it means that our community is being eroded. You know, um, it's, it's a very... If you look at other parts of the world where they're ahead of this on this curve, there's some very odd things happening culturally. Um, what I think is possible in this kind of a culture, unlimited freedom, no community, very little community, um, no meaning, you can, it's possible to live in a kind of unreality. Um, and that's what we're starting to see around the world. Um, it's funny, I was listening the other day to someone who's used the, the, the term Post-postmodernism is now an age that we're in in certain parts of the world. Don't even want to get into all that, that kind of thing. But basically, with kind of technologically created and enhanced community um, and employment and also entertainment, you're getting people who are able to live their life almost completely unplugged from any real human contact and any really human community. We're especially seeing things in parts of Asia where people can almost entirely unplug from life and live in a sort of unreality. Um, and so this, this, this kind of this movement towards freedom is creating this ability to live in a kind of strange, kind of un, unreal state. Now, I said I think the culture has shifted during coronavirus and it's, it's, it's kind of brought some of these things to light. What do I think lockdown has done to these things? Um, this, the fir firstly, I think unreality, living in unreality and the capacity to actually do that, I think that's had a big dose of reality, um, even if that's just a temporary thing. Um, essentially, like right now, if we have, if you have a bit of disposable income and you have Amazon Prime, you can pretty much have whatever you want, whenever you want it. You can have it quickly. You need something, you can get that. Um, and, you know, you can just live that way. That's fine. Our freedom is, is unlimited in that kind of way. Um, what we found at the start of lockdown is that didn't happen. Our unlimited freedom bucket, unfortunately, sprung a leak. Um, we found that that's not actually real. We, we can't do that all the time. Uh, we had, a, we had a, a circumstance in our world, which basically, I think, revealed the kind of how brittle some of the systems were that we, that we have built for ourselves, that we live within. Um, and I think that, so again, people living in unreality, um, I'm making a lot of generalizations here, of course, and I'm sort of seeming like I'm avoiding the kind of the struggle that some people have had. And that's, that's not really what I'm saying. But I'm, on the whole, this, this ability to live in a bubble, I think, has, has had a hit to it. And people have realized that sometimes there are, there is gonna, there's a certain reality, which means you can't have everything you want when you want it. Um, I believe what it's also done is really made people realize how empty their community bucket is. Um, I've seen this from people I know. Uh, as Flick was talking about, people we know who've not seen anybody for 60 days. Um, people who've never spoken to their neighbors who then suddenly realise, actually, it's quite, it's quite good when you talk to your neighbours. It's good when you have a communal sense of, of living. You don't have to just communicate with people who are miles away but have the same interests with you. There's actually a bit of a... I think people have rediscovered that desire to live in an actual physical community with people around themselves and have found that there is that... Um, that there's something to be said about having a slightly higher community bucket. Um, also, this bucket of meaning, which is emptiness, which is completely empty that nobody, that um, secularism can't offer. Very interestingly, um, if you look at what's been going on, um, 
as early as March the 30th, when lockdown was kicking in, um, I sent to some of you guys that you might have read it, um, someone called Jeanette Sinding Benson from the University of Copenhagen published an academic paper uh, titled In Crisis We Pray, Religiosity and the COVID-19 Pandemic. Basically, her, her conclusion so far at that point was um, search intensity for prayer doubles for every 80,000 new registered cases of COVID. So this is an academic who actually traced you can base your academic research now on Google searches. This is a big, this is a big gauge internationally of what people are thinking and trends. Um, and the searches since Google started in 2003 on prayer um, have gone off the charts. They've completely skyrocketed to, to the point. What does this mean? It basically means that a lot of people have started searching for meaning and have started searching for what prayer means and started realizing that they have, that they have to find some meaning at a time like this. Um, so I think there's, there's some very interesting things that have happened in, the, in this way of change and stuff. I think the other thing that we've probably found is that technology itself wasn't the thing that was evil. Um, I think that's what I've found myself. Um, I think that for all the things that we talk about and complain about with social media and all the things that it does, the fact that we've now been physically isolated, I think some of us have found that the technology has actually been incredible. That the, the, the capability of the technology and what it can do that if we were able to master it instead of it mastering us, then this could be an incredible ecosystem for the gospel. Um, we've seen people being saved ourselves. There's some great testimonies that you guys may have known from last week. You know, some people have been saved over, over the internet, people who never would have bumped into it before. These things are incredible. And this is happening, this is happening throughout the world. Um, this, this system, this ecosystem of, of the internet, which everyone's having to really grapple with and get in, get in touch with communication, this is meaning that people are getting saved. Um, so it seems like I might have come away from the whole um, conformed and transformed uh, subject now. But really, trying to paint a picture of, of what is the community, what is, what is the culture that we can either be conformed to or transformed from. I tried, tried to paint a bit of a picture there as to something which I feel like summarizes our overall culture. Um, and so this... How do you ask yourself the question? What, the second question, how do I know if I'm conformed or transformed? Okay. Um, now, as I said at the start, I don't, I don't think you can see this as a one-time answer. You're either conformed or you're not conformed. Um, but I suppose there's a few things that you could ask yourself. Now, it's really difficult to... One of the most difficult things to do to challenge people is to actually try to get them to ask themselves a question. We can, all, we can fight against the common enemy, which is an um, external force, which has messed up our lives. But actually, to ask yourself the question, to look whether there could be any things in you that are not conformed, um, is quite difficult. But I, a couple of things I've been asking myself. So even this is just me asking myself questions. So don't try not to make these questions sound too... Uh, uh, too uh, they might sound a bit forceful. Um, question one I ask myself is... Uh, so... Did, I, did you freak out? Probably not the best way of putting it. Did you, did you, I when this happened, did you, I'm, you don't I'm have to say yes. I'm following from here, but I actually, I did freak out at the beginning. I'll admit to that. And I heard a guy called Larry Lane a couple of weeks ago who said something really interesting. He said, crisis doesn't build character, crisis reveals character. Um, he said, struggle builds character. We know from Romans 5, verse 3 and 4, I don't think I put the scripture up there, but we know from Romans 5, it says not only this, we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And struggle results in character. Struggle is, you know, is one of God's great methods for creating character within people. But what he said very interestingly was that that's what struggle does. That's not what crisis does. Crisis reveals what's there already. Crisis reveals character, struggle builds character. Um, and, you know, did, did the crisis reveal that parts of your character are still controlled by fear? If there was fear, was a reaction that came up when, when the crisis hit, then for me, were there parts of my character? I think, okay, that's part of my character that possibly is not yet conformed to Christ, that he wants to dig into and remove the fear. Um, there is no fear in perfect love. There's no fear in a relationship with Jesus. Um, and so that's a, that's, a, that's a question about, you know, to ask yourself if you're conformed or transformed in that area. Um, another question, you know, do you try to avoid struggle when it happens? Um, 
if that's the case, again, maybe that's, that's one of the primary ways that God uses to build people's character. So that's a good question to ask yourself. Um, the other thing, we talked a lot about the hyper-individualistic society that we're in. Um, the elevation of the individual, their freedoms, and you know everything that they can have for themselves. Um, in God's kingdom, you are not under autonomy. You're under authority. Um, there's lots of chapters we can use to Mark's preached the whole thing about being under authority. But this whole thing about the world is pushing at you this, this idea that you can have anything, whatever you want, you can have whatever you want, you know, do it whenever, um, and that's that's what that's your right. You know, you have autonomy. You can live in a completely autonomous way. This is not the way of, of Jesus. Um, this is not the way of Romans twelve. Um, when I, you know, like I said, when I sat on the floor and I read Romans twelve to God and and got saved, I was saying to Him, I no longer control my life. You have it now. I've given it all to you. Amen. I don't have any choices anymore. I don't have any rights anymore. I don't have autonomy anymore, and that is that is so countercultural. Um, that so th- my question would be: Does that grate on you? It, under God, look at our buckets again, right? If you're with God, your freedom bucket is gone. Um, you get to really experience it. No, no, you don't have to put the bucket back up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but your freedom bucket is gone. Um, you discover that freedom is not in a bucket. Freedom is actually in a relationship with Christ. So you just live in a place of freedom now. You don't have any bucket. But, you know, if does that grate on you? Do you think, no, I quite enjoy my freedom? You know? Um, Paul talks about himself as a bondservant. Paul talks about himself as a slave to Christ. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 22. Um, you know, the question is, do you like your freedom? Do you like the freedom that you have, possibly by following the vision of the contemporary political right or the contemporary political left don't want to get political because i'm not even very very well informed on it but you know do you find your freedom in following one of the secular life scripts that are out there from a political party um you know i this is confirmation to the systems of the world and this is what you're being invited out of and being conformed to jesus christ um Anyway, I, I could talk about it for so long, but question three. Let me get to the end of my, of my questions, right? Um, and I have got a final scripture, and I've just talked about a lot of stuff that wasn't scripture, so I'm sorry about that. I, said, I know I should I probably have some more of that. But why? The question was, why is Paul urging me to do this? You know, why should I even do it? You know, he's telling me to do it in the Bible. Why should I obey what it says there? Um, I really believe um, we had a prophecy last week that we shared with everybody. There's a renewal coming in the world. Um, could say so much about this. Looked into revivals. You could say revival if you like that word. You might not like the word, but you know, there's a renewal coming. Um, this is how God works in history. There's a tide which goes in and comes out. It's coming in. Um, you can. Amen. It's coming. You can feel it. And the thing is, God is going to need people He can use. This is a difficult thought to separate the kind of works thing from but that's why i'm going to end on a different scripture now what god's really going to need is some people who are not conformed to the culture this is what happens every time when when god moves in a big way and there's a big renewal or revival through culture there's a remnant of people who are completely unconformed from their culture they're dead to the world and god takes them and he builds his kingdom from there that's just what happens every time it's going to happen again <laughs> so there's there's a question you have to ask yourself you know do you want to get used by God? Um, let me illustrate it with a scripture, because this one's been going through my head for a number of weeks. Um, so 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 to 21. If I was you, by the way, I'd recommend read the whole of 2 Timothy just a few times. It so much summarizes where we are, I think, and it's, it's speaking to me a lot at the moment. So 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 to 21. Let me read it from the NASB. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but there are also vessels of wood and earthenware, some to honour, some to dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honour, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Um, There's a bit of context missing when it says cleanse himself from these things. He's talking about people who have turned away previously in the chapter from the way of Jesus, and they've not accurately handled the word of truth, or they've gone away onto weird theological... Uh, things and so but anyway the the idea of this uh of this passage the thing that i think it's illustrating um 
there's a real thing about, do you want to be prepared for every good work that God wants you to do? Um, it's your choice. It's all of our choice. Um, if there's a big renewal coming, it's basically, God's not going to force anyone to be part of anything. And if you know God and you're saved and, you know, that's great, you've got salvation, we'll see you in heaven and it'll be great. But God needs a bunch of people. He needs, he works through a remnant of people who are unconformed and then he'll build his kingdom. That's coming. So the question is, you know, do you want to be used by God? And there's something incumbent on you if you do want to be used by that. Because this is exactly what this passage is saying. There's a, you, the master's house is large. There's lots and lots of vessels, but some he will use, some he won't. Um, and what you have to do if you want to be used is cleanse yourself of these things. This is what Romans 12 is about. It's talking about be not conformed to the ways of the world. If you will cleanse <laughs> that from yourself, then you know, God can use you. So there's that question, you know, do you want to be used? Do you actually want to be used by him? I think that's the question that God's asking at the moment. If you want to be used by him in this upcoming season, then ask these questions to yourself about Romans 12 and ask God to conform you to his image instead of conforming you to the world. Um, so, yeah, that's basically it. Can I do a final thing to just say, like, what do we do about this? Because then Flick was saying, no, what do I actually do? Do I just say, you know, do all this stuff, do some tasks or whatever? I would, I've got recommendations to what you could do. Um, I think before you even think about trying to start a big prayer regime, trying to like read the Bible, that's brilliant by the way, do all that stuff. But I think um, what's helped me in the past, genuinely, you need to sort out in your own mind and heart, where does God fall on your list of priorities? Where is the kingdom of God in your list of priorities in your life? You've got to settle that question and you've got to settle it with God. And so genuinely, I invite you to... Go and stand in front of a mirror. Do it when you feel called to do this. Stand in front of a mirror, look at yourself in the eyes, and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to really show you where does God's kingdom fall in your list of priorities. Do it like that. Say, right, I've got a number of things in my life, you know, priorities. Where does your kingdom fall? And he'll help you. He'll guide you. And you've got to be prepared to... It might come out at number six. <laughs> I'm telling you. And, and if you can take that, and you can say, okay, right, so what, what do I do about that? But you, this is my, before anything else, count the cost. You know, Jesus tells you in the Bible, he says, count the cost before you follow me. And counting the cost, I think, is standing in front of a mirror saying to God, tell me then, tell me what, where, where are you in my list of priorities? And if you want him higher, if you want him to go higher in your list of priorities, he'll help you do it. But I think that's the initial thing. It's a hard decision to say, okay, I... I would like to be used by you. I want to be a vessel sanctified and used um, in your kingdom. Yeah, so we're going to, um, I'll pray, and then we're going to finish off with a couple of worship songs, right? Just one, I think. One worship song, cool. And uh, and we'll try and find our lovely Bucky again to do some words for us, because I think she can. Yeah, oh, she's out there, cool. Um, let me pray now then. Um, and do you want to come up and pray with me, babe? Or are you going to play piano? I'll pray. Okay, cool. So, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Um, thank you for the challenge of your word, Lord. Thank you um, for the, the the constant invitation, Lord, that you have for us in life. Um, your This whole life, God, is an invitation. Um, you want us to come with you. Um, God, I want to come with you. Um, I'm, I'm sorry for the, the steps backwards that I've taken, Lord. I'm sorry for the things that I've allowed to become conformed to the patterns of the world, Lord. I don't want to be conformed to the patterns of the world, Lord. I want to be transformed because that is meaning, Lord. Forget about a meaning bucket. You are meaning, Lord. That's that's what it is. This life you've prepared for us, these good works you've prepared for us in advance to step into, Lord. We want to do... I want to do that, God. <laughs> I want to just follow you. Um, and I want... You, you've already got my life planned out, God. You've got a plan A. You've got all the things that you want me to step into, Lord. And I need to be conform to Jesus and not conform to the patterns of this world in this age. So Lord, I just invite you right now. Again, I, I invite you afresh to just that, that I gave you my life, Lord, in 2006. Um, and I made that invitation to you, Lord. And I don't, anything I've taken back, Lord, I just want to give it over to you again. If you're, if you're with me here, then just Mark said it in one time where God asked him that question, have you taken back um, what you, what you gave me? If you feel like you've done that, then Maybe just take now as an opportunity to say, God, I know I've taken back things which I gave to you. I gave you my whole life. 
and then somehow one way or another you know the cares of the world happened and i took a few things back um and i'm parts of me are conformed i don't want them to be <laughs> i want to give it back to you again um take this time now and just uh just search ask him to search you yeah. um and yeah offer it back to you lord lord i pray that just with the next few days that people will take up this invitation um stand in front of a mirror really ask themselves lord um that, that you'll stir this desire to be used by you god to be used and to really step into the whole point of our lives god <laughs> yeah. thank you for this coming season lord thank you for the renewal that's going to happen um and yeah whatever happens conforms to your image jesus <laughs> so yeah thanks guys oh right Water. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I think now I'll disappear out of here for a second. We're just going to do a really smooth switch over yeah. again. And we'll finish with a song. Is anyone still watching? Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> oh. Everyone was loving it. Oh, great. Cool. Hey, books. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Does it work alright with the. It's okay with the window open.
Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, to take that time to just reflect over the next few days. Thank you, Father, for this invitation. And thank you to you guys for joining with us as church family today. Yeah. It's been great to spend this time with you. It's been great to be family together, even from afar. And we just pray that all of this blessed you, that you're edified and encouraged and challenged and that it's given you lots to just reflect upon and bring to the Lord. Um, so yeah, there's, I think there's coffee and tea yeah. on Zoom after this for those of you who want to join that and Nick's posted some details in the comments section for those of you who want to log into Zoom for chats and coffee now. Um, for the rest of you, we are not going to be doing worship tonight. But Paul and Susie will be back from worship is at 8 o'clock. So please yeah. join Paul and Susie for that. It's always a wonderful time of worship in God's presence. Um, and we'll be back on Tuesday at half past 8 after life group doing a bit more worship then. So yeah. Have a wonderful week, guys. Yeah. God bless. God bless. Thanks, guys.